0: You are listening to the Life Tonic Podcast, your resource for intentional living and personal growth. This podcast is designed to inspire and motivate you to be your most glowingly brilliant self. I'm your host, Joanna O, and I'm grateful for you tuning in today. guess i'll start by introducing you thank you for coming on the live tonic podcast you are a certified sex coach and the host or are you still the host of down for whatever your podcast
1: we just had our final season or i should say i just had my final season
0: (laughs) well it's we collective because you've (laughs) interviewed so many amazing people
1: (laughs) yes that is true (laughs)
0: so I guess the yeah I did see that so series five well done thank you (laughs) and you've got a lot coming up I was so interested to about what you wrote to me you'll be teaching two classes for all bodies and this was my first time discovering all bodies as well
1: oh they're great
0: Um, yeah I want you to tell me more about that so you'll be teaching an online course on vagina orgasms on March 24th And then Penis Orgasms on, when is that going to be?
1: Oh, sorry, 24th, March 24th. March 24th, Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so um, these are online courses, which is great for everyone who's tuning in digitally and all over the world. Um, All Bodies is formerly Cycles and Sex. And I love how they came to be because they actually saw this need for a space for women to congregate and learn about their cycles and um, get tools and information about their sexual health. So they did a pop-up event in New York and it was like so successful, line out the door and Um, They decided to recreate that in LA. And then they were like, you know, we can really make this into uh, something that's, you know, even more expansive. So they have plans to bring their live events as all bodies all over the US at this point. I don't know if they're going internationally just yet but they do have this online forum. So um, for a while I was contributing to their Instagram account, just answering questions that people wrote into them with and um, they have a great aesthetic. So it's very playful and very engaging. Um, And then uh, when they moved to All Bodies and rebranded, they also offered an opportunity for practitioners to list their services on their site. So I'm a practitioner for All Bodies Um, And that website is allbodies.com. And that's where you can learn more about the class. Um, But I'm also a community member and, you know, just support their general mission to increase the amount of medically accurate information out there about sexuality.
0: That's amazing. Such a useful resource. And it is actually very user friendly from what I saw. So basically to recap, it's going to be the vagina orgasms on March 15th and then Penis Orgasms on March 24th. Yes. And I guess if you're international um, outside of the U.S., you could tune in online, or am I wrong to think that? Oh,
1: yes, absolutely. So you can um, purchase the course and watch it at your leisure. Obviously, if you're live on the call, if you can make it, um, which it's going to be 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, so if you can make the call, great, but it's also available for playback if you can't be live.
0: Amazing. So how did you how did you get to do this amazing job? Because it's not just, you know, I think, like I said, there's so many layers to it. But sex, sometimes we think about anatomy and psychology and just kind of the way education teaches you about it growing up like at least that's the education that I had at school it was very like by the book but actually there are so many layers to it and it's actually so woven into our experience as human beings so how did you get to that you know what was your journey to becoming a sex coach yeah
1: I have always had a fascination with sexuality even from a young age. Um, In middle school I was trained to be a peer advocate and what that meant was we were given some basic tools to troubleshoot issues that our peers were having. So it was a program where people could pull me out of class if they were really struggling and just you know bounce ideas off of me, get some advice, And what happened was that people really wanted to talk about what was happening in their dating and burgeoning sex lives. And obviously I was 13, 12, 13. I didn't know any better than they did, but I knew that this was an unmet need that everybody struggles with. And starting from that age, you know, I mean, I have clients now in their 30s and 40s whose sexuality was largely informed by what happened to them in their teen years. So it's it's a story that begins earlier than our culture would like to acknowledge and like you said it's it's a far richer tapestry than we believe it to be. So fast forward, I was, you know, a baby peer counselor but then when I went to college at San Francisco State, I studied health education with a focus on sexuality education and there I really saw like oh this is why all of these problems are happening you know we don't have comprehensive sexuality we aren't talking about pleasure and what feels good Um, there's an adage in the sex ed community that the message that we get as kids is dirty you know sex is dirty and gross and you you know will go to hell if you have it please save it for someone you love. It's a very bizarre message to receive as someone who's just trying to figure all of this stuff out and having so much happening on a a hormonal level, (laughs) you know, and psychological level. So I was like, okay, I'm getting a little bit more information about the why, like why my peers were having this issue. And it's not like I didn't know that the education that I received was bullshit. I definitely did. But I just got a more nuanced picture of why that was. And largely we know that that's because of some restrictive attitudes that are imposed on the education system that are brought on by, you know, more like strict religious views around how and when you have sex. I was like, okay, what do I do with this? Um, I moved to New York and became a sex ed curriculum developer for a health core program um, where I got to see how these structures sort of work. And that was a nightmare. So I just had all of these. (laughs) 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 Something is really broken and I'm not going to be the one to fix it from these perspectives. So I actually had a, a deviation in course, but also a really, really informative career um, in cultural exchange, which is why I asked about your visa. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> <see>. earlier. <laughs> um, So I worked for a J-1 visa sponsor in New York and um, started out admin and worked my way up to HR and grants management. And it was funny because I was having all of these like interventions with, with employees and just, learning how people interact. And I just felt like, regardless of how you want to show up at work, your sexual health and your sex life do play a part in how you do that. And I began to get really curious about, you know, the impact of having a really rich and fulfilling sex life, like what that would mean to the workplace, what that would mean for family structures, what that would mean for friendship. And That's what made me think I needed to work individually with people. So my first inclination, because it was all I knew at the time, was to become a sex therapist. So I had my master's in psychology from the new school, super progressive, amazing school in New York City. And by the time I got my master's, I was like, you know what, I just want to get in the room and talk to people about sex. I don't necessarily (laughs) want to learn about all the, you know, mental disorders that people get labeled with and stuck with for the rest of their lives. Like, I don't want to be a part of that process either. So sex coaching came to me because I posted something to a community that I was part of as a grad student. And I was like, Hey, does anybody know what other certifications I could get to allow me to practice? And Dr. Patty Britton actually wrote me back directly. And she said, I have this Coaching program. And I think coaching re- works really well for sexual issues. And, you know, my program takes anywhere from a year to two years and you can do it remotely. And I was like, sign me up. So it's a long story. And I tell you, like, every single sexuality professional that I talk to has something similar and long and circuitous because there's no one right way to come to this work. But in my experience, everybody has that seed of like knowing the power of sexuality from a very, very young age and then working their whole lives to figure out how they can tell the rest of the world.
0: Wow. I love that. That's, that's amazing. And I think you were so lucky that I guess in a way you were, you felt the purpose. Does that make sense? Do you relate to that? Yeah, I do for sure. Like you just knew that's not, you know, this isn't how I want to practice it. And So I guess that leads me to the next question. I think most people, and I mean, educate me again, because I think most people will think, oh, is that just like being a therapist? What's the difference between a sexologist or a therapist or a coach? Yeah.
1: So one thing that I'll say is that there are a lot of similarities. In fact, if you were to, you know, be a fly on the wall in my office versus a therapist's office, it's going to look the same. So I meet with my clients for one hour. I work with individuals and couples. We talk about what's going on. Um, but where the work begins to become different is that psychology, so therapy, is really great at looking back into your childhood and family structures, looking back into your past and your experiences and what shaped you as a human being. And integrating that into your present. So, helping you to recognize patterns, for instance, that you didn't know you were recreating from childhood. Therapy is great for that. I'm working on that right now in therapy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Aren't I, we love, all?
1: I love therapy. <laughs> um, but what I love about coaching is that you don't necessarily uh, need to have like you know, a major concern. You can see a coach and they'll sort of go, all right, well what do you want to work on? Like where do you want to be in the future? You know, this is an aspect of your life that seems like you do want to give some focus and attention to. Um and I like to remind people that we're all very quick to recommend executive coaching or life coaching or you know, um I mean there's even like coaches to help you organize your house. Like there's a coach for pretty much everything and I think that sexuality coaching makes sense because it's so action oriented so the coaching framework is we're starting from where you are and we're assuming that you are a whole capable human being not broken nothing wrong with you but there might be just some gaps in knowledge and experience and my role as a coach is to guide you towards the resources that you need to get closer to your goal whatever that is and it's very co-creative it's very proactive um, uh, my process is intuitive, so I don't have, like, a set of things that I will walk a client through, like, in session A, we're going to do this, in session B, we're going to do this, regardless of if I'm seeing that client for something very similar to another client, I'm not going to be, like, running them through a program. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much about, like, I feel like this is, some, this assignment is going to move you, in the direction of what you're trying to get at and so far that has been the case
0: right that makes a lot of sense because I think you are right there are coaches for everything and anything under the sun nowadays I meet people like that all the time but there's always that sort of detachment and maybe if you think about sex it's being in your own body and the power of being in your own sexuality and the sexual experience that you have with yourself or with the partner it's one of the most powerful experiences we can have in our physical selves Mm -hmm. so it's almost like coming to a lot of the resources that are out there there's just such a disconnect for me at least I don't know if a lot of your clients will like say that to you as well but like There's just so, it's just, this is what you need to do. And it's almost like this, again, fake image of how it is perceived.
1: Absolutely.
0: It's so hard to relate because everything is external. You're not really, you know, I'm not saying going back to, again, childhood and sort of digging into what it is that shapes the individual that you are. But, you know, here is what I want to improve in my sex life. And how do I do that? And there's just nothing really that clicks. Right. Well, coming into this today, I
1: was thinking this morning about how the barrier to reaching out for help for your sex life is sort of twofold. I think of it as like a double shame door. So the first shame door that a lot of people kind of get slammed in their face is, um, well, I, I should know this. You know, I am a sexual being and so I should know how to do this. I should really have the tools already learned at this point in my life. And the reality of that is that there's nothing shameful about not knowing. You know, if we gave kids a basic foundation in math and then gave them a calculus test, they would fail. (laughs) you know because they don't have the skills and as I mentioned before we shroud our sexual education in such mystery and confusion that it's no wonder that people don't know how to advocate for themselves you know what a healthy sex life looks like for them and like how to know when something is good and ask for more, you know, like, it's just that's sort of the first hurdle. So if they're able to get past that door, then there's the shame of even wanting to improve this area of their life. It feels shameful for people to want to focus on sex because our society downplays its importance in relationship. I mean, when we talk about hookup culture and things like that like at the moment hookup culture might be serving a lot of people it might not serve them forever but you know it helps them manage different areas of their life because they compartmentalize sex and I think there's a cultural conversation around that happening where there's a value judgment of like is this good or is this bad and really the answer is it depends That's the answer for a lot of things with regard to sex, unfortunately. And that's why when you mentioned like Googling around for stuff is so frustrating because someone will inevitably always have a definitive answer for you. And Mm -hmm. if it doesn't resonate, then again, there comes the shame. So you should be this. You should talk like this. If you want to attract a man, these are the five things you need to do. And if none of that feels authentic to who you are and doesn't reflect the actual goals that you have for your own sexual development, then it's like, oh, well, I guess I, what I want is wrong. I guess I'm doing this incorrectly. And that's a really unfortunate part of the like proliferation of internet internet data out there. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's so true. A lot
1: of people weighing in on things when it's like, actually, the real knowledge comes from you and your wants and your desires can tell you a lot about how you're going to succeed in the dating realm and in in your sexual relationships. But people are taught to not tune into that Mm. and to look to see what's quote unquote
0: normal. So interesting. Uh, It kind of just I had this flashback to I don't know if you've seen Netflix's uh, Working Moms. I have not. (laughs) So there's a scene in there where one of the moms is like this very strong woman in a predominantly, you know, like very male dominated office and environment and, and sort of general career path. And they're all talking, you know, she's trying to fit in with the boys and they're just talking about what kind of porn you watch. And then everyone's just sharing different things. And she goes, well, you know, there's this thing that I'm really into, but I can't tell you. It's it's too weird. It's too strange. So they're all like, tell us, tell us. We want to know. Like, let's get down and dirty. You know, tell us what it is. And then it's just like this really specific anime or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So then it just becomes kind of like the centerpiece of of this whole episode where people just make fun of her and she just ends up like kind of wrapping it up in this blanket of shame. Like, oh my God, just because there's this very niche porn out there that I'm into, it just doesn't fit the norm. Like that's not what women should be into. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mhm, mhm.
1: Yeah, layers and layers of shame. And I think shame is so like wrapped up in our sexuality that it's hard to even know when it's there you know I love um big mouth also on Netflix there's okay yeah it's it's a cartoon and it's an adult it's for adults but it basically chronicles um Middle schoolers and their sexuality, and like what's happening, and the turmoil of hormones, and all of that. I highly recommend. Um, but they have uh, characters who are called hormone monsters, and so they show up and they wreak havoc, and they, you know, make decision poor decisions usually for the uh, for the characters. And then there's also a shame wizard, and. <laughs> he basically is like, anything that you do, he's like, oh, you like that? That's filthy and disgusting. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, and it's so true. Like, there's a lot in our culture that sort of like, anytime we make headway with like, oh, I'm being vulnerable, and I'm sharing and like, I'm being open. And you know, my sexuality is wonderful. There's like a seed of oh, but that makes me gross, like that makes me kind of a bad human for even wanting what I want. And so that's a lot of the work that I do with my clients is sort of recognizing when that pops up for them, because it can be a huge boner killer for both male and female identified uh, folks. I often refer refer to lady boners when I work with my clients. But yeah, Mm. it's like really, really can impact your ability to fully enjoy your sex,
0: sex life. But do you think at the same time with the internet, you know, doing what you just described, I guess this little character spends a lot of time on the internet, like, ew, that's gross. We don't write about that or something. At the same time, the internet's such a great resource. It's almost twofold, like the same yeah. with social media you know it's it depends how you use it it can be detrimental but it can also be such an amazing source of inspiration at the same time the internet is kind of opening up or is a medium to open up that conversation and i guess to some degree we're moving away from this kind of shifting from the norm and categorization to create or maybe explore a more detailed representation of the variety of sexual experiences possible in this world and maybe contributing also to a greater understanding of sexuality's deep roots in the human experience. And I'm sure you come across, you know, not just heterosexual people, right? <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I have a lot of queer clients actually. And I think that, as someone who identifies as a feminist, I'm going to attract more diversity in my clients' experiences. So I have clients who are poly. I have clients who have been in long-term relationship. I have clients who, you know, are dating and they're dating both, you know, or they're dating more than one gender at a time. Um, So I love getting people's brains shifted from what is the norm like what should I be doing and queer folks even have a norm too like it's not like they're exempt just because (laughs) you know (laughs) they're pursuing a quote-unquote you know unconventional or alternative lifestyle which we all know is just like bullshit anyway but I think there's a lot of people who fall into the traps of like what is normal what should I be doing um I like to get them to shift away from that to like what is your normal? Like, what are you normally like? And for some women, it's like, I normally don't have orgasms during sex. Like, let's normalize that. That's your normal. You should get comfortable with that. You should, if you want to change that, we can work on it together. But let's try to normalize for you what your experience is that has been fixed since you have become aware of your sexual, you know, identity, like, let's work with that. And take the take the shame away from you being you, just you being you and having needs and thoughts and wants and desires, and you having a unique body that functions in specific ways under different contexts. Let's make that the normal. And then that takes away some of the comparison of like, well, my friend says she has six orgasms every time she has sex. <laughs> that's your friend. Also, maybe some embellishment. Who knows? Maybe she does. Bless. But like, that's <laughs> not you. So, you know, how can you still bring that sense of like, um, you had such a great experience that you want to brag about it, even though you didn't have an orgasm,
0: you know, <laughs> it could still be yeah. fun. Yeah, and there's there's so much out there, like so many you know kind of variations and 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 uh, identities and things that people experiment with. I mean, hell, just in my friend circle, I've heard things that you know would never work for me, or at least mm-hmm. that I've tried and work for me. Yeah, so I was almost I was almost going to allude to I guess people come in to talk to you and it's I like to think of it as a clean slate like this is where I've arrived now (laughs) yes
1: I love that yes and I think even with that it's it's interesting because um, people feel that from the work like they're like okay I came to you I didn't know what this was all about I had no idea what sex coaching was I just knew I wanted something to change and I came with such, like, judgment and, like, doubt that anything actually would change for me, and I laid that all on the table, and you were just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's, we can
1: work with that. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm like, cool. All right, so what's next, you know? And I think that, you know, for most of us in our, like, young adult and adult lives, we have this impulse to like go to our friends and be like, hey, I had this experience and it made me feel like this, this and this and I don't know how to navigate it. And our peers become our, these armchair therapists for our sexual relationships and they're dealing with their own shit, you know, like they don't necessarily have the capacity to hold space for your exploration of these topics, and because there is so much human diversity, I like to say there are as many ways to have sex as there are human beings on the planet. Um, it's really hard to look at someone else's life and say, "Oh, you know, you should do it this way," or "You know, if you just tweaked your dating profile in these certain ways, like this is what I do, and that that'll work." Um, I work with people all the time around, you know, how they're presenting themselves. And most of the time I'm coaching them to ask for more. And that's not something that culturally we actually say is okay for women in particular. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a friend who is also struggling in dating and you ask them for advice, they're not necessarily going to see that that's an opportunity for you to act to get what you want. Um, But a coach can, because a coach can look and say, this is all great. You're painting a really pretty picture of yourself and you're gorgeous in these photos. But like, what the hell do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's maybe why you're going on all these crappy dates. Cause guys don't know what the hell you want. And it works for men too. I will say that. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting to be that person, to be that sort of objective set of eyes and ears and to be able to hold space for people who just want a way to express themselves authentically and are totally afraid of doing that. So I know there's a, a big vulnerability that comes with seeking out help for this this area of your life. But it's been so rewarding for me to be careful with that vulnerability and to see the person for who they are, to validate that their wants are okay, and to help them find partners who are going to also think that way. I think that's really crucial.
0: That's so interesting. Yeah, I think it's, it's amazing to imagine that. But we do that, don't we? Like how it's so hard to be not only in your power, it's so hard to ask for more. You're right, that is particularly something I relate to in my experience as a female but um, also to break those molds of you know not just society but what I guess your conditioning is because you're very right to say that it's scary but why is it scary to ask and reach out is because that's not what we're conditioned that's not what we know Mm -hmm. and especially growing up and the shame of, you know, what what you're taught at school, I almost want to say, but also maybe you grew up in a family where there wasn't a conversation about that. Mm-hmm. And That's such, that's like a whole different topic, <laughs> But um, How, you know, we, we then get to be drawn to partners who are, say, familiar to us. Maybe that's in a destructive way. Maybe we always fall into the most toxic of relationships. And... How do we get out of that? You know, how do we, I guess, grow out of this exposure and the conditions of upbringing that we've had to lead our sex life as an adult?
1: It's really, really, really hard. And (laughs) part of the process is becoming aware that you are a unique individual with specific needs and wants. And I believe that that is just part of the process of growing older, right? I mean, my 20s were a ball of anxiety of people pleasing of caring what people thought of how I looked and, you know, wanting to present the most kind of perfect package to my partners. I even had like one person I was dating say like, this doesn't feel authentic because we never fight. And I was like, well, I, you know, like, we shouldn't have to fight, you know, and then looking back on it, I'm like, there was a lot of shit that I could have fought with that guy, you know. Um, But, you know, I was playing a part. And in my 30s, I think my perspective has shifted where, and I'm not the only one, I'm not, I'm not special in this regard. I think this is again, like, from everything that I've heard, it only gets Better in terms of understanding your individual worth, asking for people to meet you at that worth, and expecting them to respect that part of you and to give that in return. So that's part of our maturity arc. Some people are going to be ready for it in their 30s Some it'll take them till their 40s, 50s, 60s. But I think to some degree, we're all sort of moving towards that as we grow older. And that's one of the, the many benefits of getting older is to recognize that like caring about other people's perspective on you is a real waste of energy. <laughs> um, it doesn't serve your bigger purpose on this planet and i think to some degree we'll all grapple with that in as many ways as we can with the energy and resources that we have